Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hi, fellow listeners, and welcome to episode three of Can I Pick Your Brain? You definitely don't want to miss today's episode. Today, I have a very special guest with us, Saul K. Saul is a pharmacist, angel investor, serial entrepreneur, and cannabis expert. His companies include IsraelFarm.com, the largest online prescription drug store, TestoCreams.com, BioTCreams.com, HormoneSkinCream.net, LaborPain.com. He has also founded a co-working ecosystem startup hub called Subs. And now, in his latest and most exciting venture, he is turning green to gold with his cannabis incubator, IsraelCannabis.com. Wow, what a portfolio. Saul, welcome to the show, and thanks for letting me pick your brain. Thank you for having me. Now, Saul, I'm sure our listeners are curious to find out more about the green, and this time, I'm not just talking about the money. But first, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Take us through what it was like growing up before you became so successful. Thanks. So I grew up in Australia. Mm -hmm. Early childhood was in Sydney, later in Perth, and then back to Sydney for university. Did a little bit of yeshiva here in Israel. That's sort of like a seminary. Mm -hmm. And... Then just after graduating from Sydney University, we made Aliyah to Israel. We now live in Israel. Mm -hmm. And I started my career as a retail pharmacist and very early on realized that I had to be my own boss. So I bought my first pharmacy, uh, which was very successful. And then realized that my customers are changing. Uh, This was back in the dot-com revolution. Okay, what year is this? This is 1996. Wow, okay. So we started recognizing that my pharmacy, which was located in Jerusalem, had a lot of travelers who came in and they were purchasing their medications because Israel was cheaper than the US. Right. So ding, 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 light went off in my head. We have to get on that bandwagon. So we opened an internet pharmacy, went through the whole regulatory challenges of an industry that essentially didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And how did the health ministry approach that? What did we have to do in order to become a compliant? Went through all those regulatory hurdles, went through financial hurdles where Visa, MasterCard, American Express stopped recognizing my ability to process online. Uh, They they saw that as a high-risk industry, whereas Mm -hmm. my regular pharmacy license allowed me to use those uh, transactional services. So we had to come up with innovative ways to fund this uh, or allow our customers to purchase. Then, How how, how did you do that? How did you get around that? ah, Trade secret. You'll have to come and... Are you joking? There's no no trade secrets on this show. There's absolutely trade secrets. (laughs) That's why I'm still in business and others aren't. Woo! Okay. Um, (laughs) Then we recognize that Google, Facebook, and everyone else won't allow us to advertise in traditional methods. Wow. So we had to build a new method of of driving traffic, and we were successful in doing that as well. And can Um, you tell us a little bit about that? That's old school SEO. Uh, From the beginning, we played by Google's rules. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even now, personally, I'm banned on Google plus why because uh, i'm a pharmacist and i talk about pharmacy and saving money internationally and that is uh unacceptable to google let me i don't understand i mean we're going to get to the cannabis later but right now we're just talking about regular old regular prescription, prescription pharmacy so what's wrong with regular prescription drugs why are they making it so hard because again there's political issues behind everything this is probably the same as the cannabis issue mm-hmm. in that 
the lobby is the pharmaceutical companies. The same drug, uh, prescription medication in the in America, which costs seventy dollars, costs seventeen dollars here in Israel. Sorry, so let me just get this straight. So if I'm in America, I'm a U.S. citizen, and I have a pres- give me an example of a Lipitor. Mm-hmm. Most prescribed drug okay. for for cholesterol okay. management in the U.S. seventy dollars in Israel seventeen. Why is it seventeen dollars in Israel? The price of prescriptions is capped by the Ministry of Health. That's a national health medicine system. Mm-hmm. Israel, the U.K., Australia, Canada all have the same type of system. So the the government sets the price of prescription medications. Okay. So it's cheaper in Israel. Is it legal if I'm a U.S. citizen? Yes. To, so I can. I can buy it online on your website and there's no problem. No problem. Okay. Amazing. And how did you get around all the, you said that there were problems with um, the online Facebook and... So Google and and Facebook. So we have to use non-traditional advertising avenues. We had to build our own network of affiliates. Mm -hmm. We had to build lots of relevant content that matters. Uh And... Throughout the, the time, we, we hit the strategy according to what Google essentially wanted, and we've always ranked very well. We've never taken a hit on that, and we've never paid a cent for advertising, because we can't. Okay, let me tell you something. So before this interview, I actually went and spoke to some of your colleagues, some of your employees. I wanted to know a little bit more about you and your background. Did you have a head injury when you were younger or something? Did I have a head injury? <laughs> the, re- the reason I ask is because they said that you have a really bad memory. Like when it comes to events, you never remember any business cards. You always keep forgetting the business cards. And apparently you have a story about a flight that you missed on the way back from Australia. Small details, yes, yeah, small details. <laughs> well, I've got lots of things going on in my head at any one time. So small details like should I get on a flight back or do I miss a flight? Or So what happened um, with that? What happened with the well, – how did you miss a flight? I thought it was the following day. It was that simple. I thought I had an extra day to do some more business and missed a flight. Right. So it's amazing. So you run all of these different companies and yet you can't remember to catch a flight. Yeah. So that's why I have good people surrounding me to help me with the things that I'm not the best at doing. So how do you find good people? Because that's really what it's what what I've come to, to learn about you particularly is that you don't do things alone. Every single company that you own and there's a lot of them, you seem to have a really good team that helps you build them. So can you tell me a little bit about how do you find a good team? So typically when you hire someone, you look at their skill set. I more look at what they're passionate about. What what drives them? What gets them out of bed in the morning? Mm -hmm. What makes them think, how can I optimize what I'm doing for this in order to make myself more successful, more energetic, more involved in what I'm doing. And if I can find that person, then I look at what he's done in the past. What are your skill sets? Mm -hmm. And now how do you fit into my organization? So when I built the cannabis side of my business, I went back and looked at what are the who are the people I want involved in this? Mm -hmm. So we myself, my partner, we approached the people that we wanted from the get go to be involved. Then we looked at their skill set and said, okay, now what is their task? What are they going to be doing on a day to day basis? And we built the team that way until you know resources top out and then we continue on build more revenue hire more people put it all back in how many people do you have working for you right now in total Mm -hmm. in all countries or here in israel sorry how many countries (laughs) (laughs) i operate in australia Uh georgia southern russia republic of turkey india and the u.s and israel 
And how, how many people in, in total? 26 in total. Wow. And how yeah. do you manage all of them? And these are all different projects. It's not one. All different projects. Over many different projects. Yeah. Do you use like an online tool to manage like uh, Asana or something like that? How do you... No. How do you communicate? Email. So the, each one's very specific in what they do. They manufacture a prescription medication in Australia mm-hmm. and then transfer that to, to southern Russia. Mm-hmm. There they simply pack, distribute. So it's a logistical thing. I go once every quarter, mm-hmm. make sure the, the logistics are running smoothly. The relationships in the other countries, they're all dispensaries that work for me to dispense the medication. So I drive the traffic, get the customer. They essentially do the logistics where, for example, if Lipitor is $17 in Israel, it could be $7 in Turkey. Wow. So a patient can choose from where they wish to get oh, wow. their so medication. Oh, buy it for $7. Correct. So, and I can get it for $0.70 cents probably in India. So again, it's up to the patient to choose where they want their medication from. Uh-huh. And we can then use our distributors to make that happen. How did you find all these different distributors and, and sources? I mean, did you have any issues along the way? I'm sure you must have. Many, many. Okay. T- tell I, us, can you tell us one in particular that really went south? Well, we had a distributor in Turkey who wasn't being compliant by Turkish law. Wow. Okay. So that went south very quickly. We had to change distributor. Okay. So again, I go ground up. I get on the ground. I find who are the pharmacists. Who so you the... go yourself. You actually get on a plane. You go fly to southern Russia. You yep. meet with them. Meet with them. And okay. Wow. And another thing I noticed as well is that in all of your businesses, you've got partners. So not only you've obviously got teams of people working for you, but you don't do anything on your own. You always partner up with someone. Why is that? Why don't you do anything on your own? Because I'm looking for that drive and the passion. And You have the drive and the passion, no? Yeah, but then things don't get done if your team's not driven and passionate. But you have a team. Why do you need a business partner? Because when they're involved, when they see the upside, like I see the upside, mm-hmm. then they're more passionate. What's the advantage of having an actual business partner, though? They bring their set of tools, their okay. toolkit with them. They obviously bring cash with mm-hmm. them. They're invested. So when we go out and you look for a, a VC to invest in you, a VC is money. Mm-hmm. What often you want is the right VC, which is money, connections, and operations. And when you find that, that's the perfect thing that you want in an investor. So those investors, I don't invest with VCs typically. I find the right person who is passionate about it, wants to get in on it, and they invest with me. They're, they right. buy into the sole dream. Right, so you don't believe in like silent partners, you think you, you want to have that? I've had businesses with silent partners, they didn't work. Right. Okay, a silent partner is great when he's making his money, he's terrible when you're not doing so well, and you don't want a partner on your back when you're not doing so well, you want him to help you. Right, right. And it's also, I guess, in terms of loneliness, you have someone to bounce ideas I off. always have, correct. I've got, in all the different businesses, and they all have different approaches, they've, they've been in business a long time, they're typically older, they, they understand where I'm coming from, they understand my passion and energy, they don't want to have that much of an active role, but their skill set, their connections are the ones that make mm-hmm. a difference. So you're basically leveraging off of other people in many different industries. That's incredible. I mean, you have a very impressive selection of successful online businesses. Can you share with our listeners how you went from idea to implementation? Because you know many entrepreneurs have tons of ideas but they don't know how to actually execute them and make them profitable can you just take one idea or a few ideas that you've had take us through the process how did you go from idea to actually taking it and launching it making it profitable good question thanks (laughs) the approach i've always taken is is bootstrap spend as little money to test your product Mm -hmm. and then put everything back in 
to make your product work. So there's no salaries when, when you're working and you're like, I worked hard, very hard, very young. It took the minimum that of the minimum that I could take to survive. What was the youngest you, when you started your first business, how old were My you? My first pharmacy was, I was 22. 22, okay. Yeah. So, but, and I always drove profits back in. How do you make it better? I've never sat back on my laurels and said, you know, enough. There was one stage I was working three days a week. I got so bored, I went back to work yeah. two weeks later. Right. For me, it's always the drive to build a great product. It's not about the money, right? Everyone says you're mad. Like you're putting time, effort, energy, resources into something that is essentially a dream. And they say you get, you'll lose your pants, but it's drive if i believe the the, the project will work mm-hmm. then i do everything i can to make it work and i haven't had 100 percent success i've had right. two two arms of my business that were very successful in their build-up but i couldn't maintain that growth they they stagnated they, okay. they, so the market was telling me that something was wrong right and essentially there was a choice to continue trying to figure out what was wrong or close them down and move on to something that's better so mm-hmm. we did that too we we had one arm was a, a pharmacy that dedicated itself to dispensing for nursing homes mm-hmm. and we got up to over 25 nursing homes that we were dispensing every day to. Okay. But, so the growth was great, but the, the management, the, the time, the energy that we had to put into it wasn't worth what we were getting out of it, so we closed that operation down. Okay. And I had a wine store, which a few friends invested with me, and through bad management, uh, the, the person, doesn't matter, uh, uh-huh. was Without not the right names. person right. again, okay. and we learned early he wasn't the right person, mm-hmm. and we, we closed that down. So you learned, I guess, from that experience, how to pick the right people? Well, I try to. I try and see their passion. He had passion. All, all ends of passion. You mentioned passion. Um, what else do you look for in someone to, when you're so going to start a business? Their people skills. Mm-hmm. Are they customer oriented? Is it B2B? You know, what, what essentially are they doing? And use, again, look at the person on an intimate level and see what it is that they can give to the organization. Mm-hmm. What does, it's not always about what the organization needs. We listen, we, you know, and I'm very good at delegating. There are certain things I hate to do. I will never open mail. I'll never sign You don't it. open any mail. I don't open mail. I don't sign checks. I don't want to know um, <laughs> what's in the bank, what's not scared? in the bank. Is that because you're scared to know what's going on? No, it's because bootstrapping a business for 20 years, it's one of the pressures. Bank calls, you're in minus. You know, I mean, I've had times where I was in, you know, millions of shekels of, of debt. You're in millions of To shekels. build the debt. business. That's fine. Right. I had assets. I had, but wow. to fund the day-to-day operations of a growing business mm-hmm. takes cash. And you're saying that if, if you would have kept being reminded about that, you may have given up. Well, no, I w- always was reminded. Now I've gotten to the stage, thank God, that the business is big enough that I don't need to know if there's money in the bank or not money in the bank. So you or have how no much idea right bank. now. You have no idea how much you've got in your bank. Account. No. <laughs> no. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All I need to know is that I can pay my salaries uh-huh. and that the turnover is coming in and there are people. I have finance people who deal with the finance side. I have operations people who run the operational mm-hmm. side. I have content people for the content side, design for design, code for code. Let them go and do their business. What's your most profitable business of all the ones you do? They're all equal. They're all... Are you, are you free to share turnover? Turnover? Around $5 million a year. On each business or total business? Total. Total business. You're doing $5 million right now, turnover. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. So just to get more practical, I guess, I want to get more practical here. You've got an idea now for someone listening right now has an idea for a business. What's the first thing they should do? What are the first steps they should be doing right now? The thing that they keep putting off. 
the thing that, oh, I should be calling this guy. Great answer. Right? Uh-huh. I want to call him. I'm, you know, I'm back in my mind, I'm going to call him. Uh-huh. And essentially, you're never going to call him. Right? <laughs> so pick up the phone and call him. Call the damn guy. Open LinkedIn, get a connection, uh-huh. and make a connection to him. I've numerous LinkedIn connections have come blind to me and mm. I blind other LinkedIn people and they respond. I pick up the phone to people. When you people, say blind, you mean you just cold email them? Cold email them. I hear you're in this industry or I'm in this industry. Is there a synergy? Mm-hmm. If there's no synergy, they don't have to friend you. Most actually do. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. LinkedIn is a tool that we use to connect. So most people are happy to see a connection there and if there's something, we're all looking for opportunities. So, yeah. you know. So you're into JVs mostly. I mean, you're looking into joint ventures, trying to sure. just hook up with the right people. Mm-hmm. Okay, what would be the next step? So you found someone who's interested, who you think has the right skill set. What's the next step to getting the business off the ground? So understanding your market. Okay. Okay, which means speaking to people. One of the mistakes I made in a pharmacy that I purchased was I got sucked into the, the drive, mm-hmm. the passion, and I didn't look at the numbers mm-hmm. where was the the research now it's not research of sitting on a computer and pulling wow this market is going to be uh, 30 billion dollars and if i get one percent of it <laughs> i'll be a millionaire right never ever say that in an interview uh, in a pitch it's the worst thing you can say i don't care how big the market is how are you going to get that market right. i hear that on shark tank all the time no. yeah so uh, that type of thinking what what is the market telling me if you've got a product and you've had it three years on the market mm-hmm. and it's not performing me why why ask yourself the hard questions all the time why is it not performing have i made the wrong assumptions mm-hmm. so my, test 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 so when test. you say test so how Give get out there for example we had an idea for a product in the cannabis space mm-hmm. we went and stood in front of the dispensary in israel and we stopped people and we asked them what do you think about this product mm-hmm. don't be scared about giving your ip away What's um, I- ip sorry ip is your your intellectual, intellectual property, property. Okay. what what is it that you have over someone else mm-hmm. essentially i've sat down many people come to pitch me and they they say well i can't tell you that or i don't want to give you that information because mm-hmm. people are scared of, right, of i haven't done yeah. a patent yet or uh-huh. so don't be scared Let, test yeah i mean you've got to find that fine line between giving it all away i i've always just said i believe i'm well positioned to do it uh-huh. i'm the expert in that area because i've gone and done all that market research and i'm good enough to execute on it so go and take the idea go and do it anyone can open an online pharmacy today okay essentially yeah. go, go fly to turkey fly to india make the connections i may do it all you can set one up you know you're going to set up competition right now, right? Go for it. <laughs> what I say is, please, in Hebrew, go for it. The skill set required is so much harder than everyone thinks uh-huh. that that's the barrier to entry. Right. You don't always have to look at barrier to entry as how much money does someone else have to create that. If you've got the drive, the passion, and the knowledge in a space, then test the market. Look at what is the market telling you. Maybe the market isn't even there. And also, don't be scared to educate a market. Everyone says, well, that's a new category. Uh-huh. All right? You hear that on Shark Tank. All the time. New category, so now you've got to educate the public to buy. Don't be afraid of that. Right. If you're successful and your product is required and adds value, then educating the public shouldn't be so difficult. Mm-hmm. Right? It does cost money, right? But don't be afraid of that either. Right. Sorry, so I have to ask, okay? I'm sitting here in your office with you. And you have a sign up on the wall that says Vajazzle? What the heck does Vajazzle mean? <laughs> so Vajazzle in our organization is a term we use when you walk out of a meeting and you're 
mind is blown. Right, you walk out, you okay. go. Uh, I don't even know what happened. So we call that a vajazzle. That's your word. That's our word. You've made it up. Vajazzle. I believe vajazzling is is something <laughs> that is known. It is uh, adding uh, jewelry to your private parts. That is called vajazzling. Okay. So that that's like this. Like, how can you make something <laughs> really good even better? You vajazzle it. Okay. So when we're all sitting, so when your you know team is sitting in a meeting room, they look up, they see the word vajazzle. Vajazzle. We we go it. into meetings. What we've achieved in the cannabis space in two years wow. and we go into meetings and we tell people and they they had like gobsmacked mouth open drooling and we walk out and we go we've vajazzled them or we walk out and we go we were vajazzled <laughs> and sometimes you might even vajazzle yourself <laughs> okay okay so i'm sure our listeners have been waiting in suspense for this question why did you get into cannabis so long time admirer of the plant on a recreational level. Personal? Wow, okay. Um, saw the medical benefit with my partner who suffered from a long-term disease. We tried the pharmaceutical route. We ended up with some cannabis and we saw that it helped. Tell us a little bit about your, your partner's disease and how... how so he has how. chronic fatigue. Okay. Um, Don't we all? <laughs> he was debilitated by it. Couldn't right. get out of bed, mm-hmm. couldn't function, lost his job. Wow. It was very, very difficult. It's difficult for me to see from the sidelines and I was intimately involved in his pharmaceutical care. So he was already a partner of one of your other... No, ventures? not at all. He's no. my oldest friend. Okay. Um, and when he started to discover that... that cannabis is helping him mm-hmm. uh, we took it further and we traveled the world we went to amsterdam wow. to look at holland system we went to colorado to look at colorado system mm-hmm. and we started to delve into hang on there's something here there's something so let me get something straight i i personally haven't tried marijuana but from what cannabis. i see uh, cannabis sorry <laughs> okay i didn't know there's a difference there is there is we'll talk about that when i see someone who's high that's the term they use right they don't look awake <laughs> They look tired. You're telling me that the guy who's got a problem with exhaustion, you're telling me that cannabis helps that. Correct. Even though it looks like people are half asleep when they're on it. Depending on what those people are on, where they purchased it, Uh how it affects them. It's a very personal medicine. There's different types of... There are 1,700 known strains right now. 1,700 different types of cannabis. Cannabis. Each Sorry. of them affecting you slightly differently. Some will make you tired. Some make you have energy. Some make you super focused. Wow. Could be used for ADHD. Some are used for Parkinson's. For wow. really a range of different indications. What's the difference between marijuana and cannabis? Branding. Okay. What do you mean? Marijuana, ganja, weed is all the stoner culture. Okay. We're about medical cannabis okay. as a as a medicine, as a solution for a problem. Right, we're not so, about right. recreational. We're not about legalization. So for us, we speak about cannabis. And we want to go away from the stoner culture. We don't even call it getting stoned. We call it being elevated. Hmm. Because the perception of cannabis is you get stoned and it's a weed. It's not. It's a medicine and it can actually help you. And it doesn't necessarily have to elevate you or make you stoned. There are many different varieties that don't. So right. we're about that. It's amazing how you've basically taken something that has a very bad or negative connotation and you're rebranding it. I mean, you're literally innovating the whole space. Space. That's incredible. That's, that's really amazing. So did you, I'm sure you've come up with objections to the cannabis business. Have you had a lot of people telling you, no, it's not going to work. What are you doing? You know, you've got a great reputation. You've run 
successful businesses. I mean, it's a bit of a risk, no? So pushback in Israel, I haven't seen. People mm-hmm. here, I think, have an understanding of the recreational use of its uh, beauty. Yeah. Australia was a completely different environment. Wow, what? Like, no, <laughs> cannabis. No, no that's Ill- totally illegal. But two weeks ago, the medical program opened in Australia. So education is happening the, at the same time. Uh-huh. Often with this, it's a business that, Uh, we've described as we're building the plane while we're flying it. You're building the plane while you're flying the plane. Right, because that's how quickly it's moving. I'm glad you're not a pilot because I wouldn't get on your plane. No, no, I think everyone's (laughs) jumping on the plane. They're helping to build it and take it forward. That's exciting. Yeah. That's very exciting. And where do you see this going? What's the passion? What's, What's your drive behind this? So my drive is to get research done so we can get into the hands of the patients. Okay. Okay. Big Pharma does not like cannabis. Big Pharma does not like online pharmacies. When you say pharma, you're not talking about Pharma Jones with the with the cows and the. No, sheep. I'm talking about the big pharmaceutical companies okay. who. If cannabis will reduce your prescription medication use by 80%, which is currently what the studies are saying, 80%. then why would Novartis or Pfizer or Teva... What is Novartis, Pfizer, what are these? They're big pharmaceutical companies that okay. make prescription medications. Okay. If they don't provide money for the research and development of new drugs from cannabinoids, from cannabis, uh-huh. then who's going to provide that? So where does money come from research if it doesn't come from... Big Pharma. Okay. It comes from grants from universities, right. which come from rich individuals who pass away and leave some money to a university. Uh-huh. That's not enough to drive research. Do you have proof that this actually works? 100%. Give me an example. Give me case studies. Case studies. ALS, a patient who ALS, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, Lou Gehrig's debilitating disease. neurological disease uh-huh. that deteriorates over time cannabis in its simplest form helps to stop the deterioration so get it early enough and you could potentially save all of the pain and suffering from those patients so if my grandmother has lou gary's disease you're telling me now that if she starts what steak like smoking smoking vaporizing eating oh so so hold on a second so it's not just she doesn't have to smoke it she can actually take it in other Smoking ways. is still the most effective way to get it into our body. It's the fastest way. Uh-huh. But tablets are being developed, creams are being developed, mouth sprays. Mouth the whole sprays. gambit of wow. pharmaceutical solutions will come in from the pharmaceutical. What's from the, the age limit? If I have, I, I mean, I'll tell you, me personally, I have an eight year old, a six year old, and a three year old. When I want to get them to sleep at night, sometimes I'm thinking, you know. <laughs> Can I drug them to get them to sleep? Would you give them a prescription uh, no, sleeping tablet? I would not give them prescription. So but, don't give them cannabis. But isn't cannabis a health? You're saying it's a it's a natural. For plant. those that need it, our bodies have an endocannabinoid system. They have a system of receptors which the cannabis plant locks onto those receptors. Mm-hmm. We have that system. Our bodies sometimes have a dysfunctional system. Okay. So those that have a dysfunctional system need cannabinoids applied into their system. Same as if you have depression, you can take a drug for depression. If you have, for example, anorexia, mm-hmm. okay, until today there is no drug that treats anorexia. Cannabis can treat anorexia. Cannabis treats right? anorexia. Correct. Because it gives you the munchies. You get the munchies you want to eat. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. So, so what one practical piece of advice would you give to someone listening to this that is looking to start and grow a successful business? One piece of advice. Oh, you can give a few, but you know. Raise more money than you need. 
raise more money. You just talked about bootstrapping the Bootstrap, whole okay, but you can bootstrap a, a company. Well, it's going to take me, it's going to cost me $10,000. So you go and raise $10,000. Okay. So assume, don't raise 10000 raise fifteen. No, it's, it's always going to be it's more It's always going to be more than, than you think it's going to be. There right. are things that happen. Uh, fluidity. What's fl- okay, flu- fluidity? Okay, fluidity. You have to be fluid. If your business model is not working, if your market's telling you it's wrong, if you've made assumptions, mm-hmm. go back, test them, say, hang on, why did we make that assumption? If it's not working, we made the wrong assumption. A whole plan was based on an assumption we made in the past. Investigate, look, deal, be fluid. Be flexible. Be flexible. For example, when Visa came and said, you can't, cannot process credit cards. Mm-hmm. So some people would say, oh, that's the end of my business. Right. right? And they go, what am I going to do now? Right. Dead end. So I don't look for dead ends. I look, okay, now I've got to move left. I've got to move right. I've got to get around that Smash wall. Smash the wall. Get right? around it. Jump over it. Figure it Find out. Find something. Find Climb, someone, on, some, climb on someone's back. And eventually, sometimes you can't, and and you have to close your business, and that's unfortunate. But use that as strength to grow. Don't. It's failures aren't necessarily bad. There's a big conference here in Israel called FailCon, mm-hmm. where they where entrepreneurs come and speak about the things they didn't do right. Right. Because you can learn as much from what you didn't do right as what you did do right. Amazing. Really amazing. I hear, by the way, I heard that you have an obsession with pineapple and whiskey. I do like pineapple and I do like whiskey. Oh, a pineapple you, whiskey. You have, you have uh, I was just thinking about that. Wow, that could a work. pineapple whiskey. You have 100 bottles of whiskey? I have close to 200 bottles of whiskey. Oh, my God. Listen, I, I, I went out and uh, decided that because you were so nice to let me pick your brain today, I went and bought you not a bottle of whiskey, but I got you a can of... Pineapple juice. That's so not impressive. What do you mean? That's a really very... I mean, you set a bottle of whiskey, you pull out of the bag a can of... Okay, okay. Oh, wow. Future podcasters, Saul, do not expect more than a can of uh, pineapple juice. Saul, it's been absolutely incredible, extremely valuable. Thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. And thank you to all my fellow listeners for tuning in. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.